Today is the first day of the rest of our lives, a statement that on most days might be somewhat trite, but is always true in a manner of speaking. But today is the second day without COVID restrictions in Virginia for well over a year. For some, this may be a time of celebration, but for all of us, it's perhaps a time for reflection on where we've been, how we've changed, and who we have lost. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. On today's show, Charlottesville officials press City Council for $7 million soon for 7th Street Parking Garage, but Council directs staff to take a pause on the planning. Albemarle supervisors get an update on transportation projects in the county and an update from the University of Virginia Health System on the ongoing pandemic. In today's Patreon-fueled shout-out, help support Black-owned business in the Charlottesville area. Check out the Charlottesville Black Business Directory at seavilleblackbiz.com and choose between a variety of goods and services, ranging from beauty supplies, professional services, and e-commerce. Visit seavilleblackbiz.com as soon as you can to get started. As of midnight Friday, all COVID-19 restrictions in Virginia are lifted, more than two weeks before Governor Ralph Northam's original date Community health districts are low enough to drop the rules that have been with us for months to slow the spread of the novel coronavirus. But the director of hospital epidemiology at the University of Virginia Health System said no one should consider the pandemic over. COVID has not gone away completely. It is, it's reduced. It's uh, at, at some of the best levels we've seen more than a year. Um, but it's, it's still the case that we have patients being admitted to our hospital with COVID there is COVID that's um, being um, transmitted in, uh, at times in the community, and we really can't predict exactly what will happen in a week or a month or, or three months. Today, the Virginia Department of Health reports a seven-day average for new cases of 339. As of this morning, 44% of Virginians are fully vaccinated. Dr. Safri said the restrictions can be lifted in part because of the trends. Vaccines are highly, highly effective. If you're not vaccinated, nothing really changes. You should still be practicing the same precautions that you've been practicing. Many in the community may not feel comfortable with making the change back to a non-restricted world where masks are not required. I think it is understandable that people still want to wear a mask. And, and I think we need to make sure that we, with grace, say that they can wear a mask and, 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 and feel comfortable doing that without judgment. Dr. Safri stressed again that the pandemic is not over. Please don't go out and buy the book that uh, talks about the history of the pandemic. Um, it's a story that's still being written. Um, only 4 or 5% of the, of the world's population is vaccinated um, at this point. And so I think we have, um, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot that will um, occur in the future. Um, the, the virus isn't done with us yet. Memorial Day weekend is the traditional opening of outdoor pools and swimming areas. That's certainly the case in Charlottesville, where Washington Park is scheduled to open today, as well as the spray grounds at Belmont Park, Greenleaf Park, and Tonsler Park. The Forest Hills spray ground will open in June due to mechanical errors. However, today's rain puts a damper on all of that. Honesty Pool will remain closed due to staffing issues. However, swimming lakes run by Albemarle County will open later than usual. The season at Chris Green Lake, Mint Springs, and Walnut Creek will begin on June 17th. 
At the height of the Great Recession earlier this century, Albemarle County froze many positions and slowed contributions to its capital improvement program. One job that was not filled for many years was the transportation planner. But for the past few years, Albemarle has put together an organized list of potential projects to address road capacity issues as well as bike and pedestrian connections. In July 2019, they adopted a priority list of 89 projects, ranging from Hydraulic 29 improvements at number 1 to US 250 and Gillums Ridge Road intersection improvements at 89. Kevin McDermott is a chief of planning in Albemarle County, and he spoke to the Board of Supervisors on May 19th. That list uh, provided uh, all capital transportation projects that are recommended through the various county planning processes. The list is intended to help planners identify funding sources for projects, such as the Virginia Department of Transportation's Smart Scale program, as well as the county's own capital improvement program. We have uh, gotten 12 projects from that 2019 project list funded. Here's a list of those projects. Hydraulic 29 improvements, including a pedestrian bridge over US 29 and a roundabout at Hillsdale and Hydraulic, are slated to be funded at $24 million by the Commonwealth Transportation Board in June. US Route 250 improvements to add a median between Route 20 and Rolfin Road will receive $6 million in smart scale funding using $2 million in local funds. An intersection at Route 20 and US 250 will be rebuilt using funding from the 2018 Smart Scale Round, sometime in 2024. Burkmar Drive will be extended further north to Lewis and Clark Drive, providing a continuous roadway to UVA North Fork Research Park. Funding comes from VDOT's Revenue Sharing Program. Further changes to the intersection of Fontaine Avenue and US 29, including a shared use path. A roundabout will be built at Old Lynchburg Road and 5th Street Extended with $5 million in VDOT funds and $2 million in Albemarle funds. A roundabout at Rio Road and the John Warner Parkway is recommended for $8 million in funding in the current smart scale process and $2 million in Albemarle funds will be used. Bike and pedestrian improvements will be made on Old Lynchburg Road using Albemarle funds. A section of the Northtown Trail shared use path will be built between Seminole Lane North and Carsbrook Drive at a cost of $4 million. A Greenway Trail on Morris Creek and a trail hub at 5th Street Station will receive smart scale funds and has a total cost of $10 million. A park and ride lot will be constructed near Exit 107 and Crozet Park to serve Jaunt and the future Afton Express at a cost of $3 million. McDermott's purpose for appearing before the supervisors was to get their preliminary support for the next round of transportation funding projects. At the top of a short list for this year's cycle of VDOT revenue sharing funds is the completion of Eastern Avenue, a north-south roadway designed to increase connectivity and traffic circulation throughout Crozet. That project uh, is currently being evaluated through an alignment study and conceptual design which the county has funded through our transportation leveraging project. We just recently received the, uh, the updated cost estimates from that um, consultant that we have hired and their preliminary cost estimates are now at $19,983,000. That would require a match of at least $10 million from county funds. However, if approved, 
the state funding would not be available until 2027. Another project on the list for potential revenue-sharing projects is one to build bike and pedestrian improvements on Mill Creek Drive to Perigori Lane, a top priority in a recent corridor study. That has a cost estimate of $2 million. Applications for revenue-sharing projects are due this year. Next year, smart-scale projects will be due. Potential applications through that process to be made next year include a roundabout at District Avenue and Hydraulic Road, a realignment and extension of Hillsdale Drive, and a roundabout at the intersection of Belvedere Boulevard and Rio Road. There is plenty of time to get involved with these applications. Keep reading and stay tuned. And having a list like this is very useful to members of the community who might want to know what infrastructure projects are on the way. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. In this subscriber-supported public service announcement, over the course of the pandemic, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society has provided hours and hours of interviews, presentations, and discussions about interpretations and recollections of the past. All of this is available for you to watch for free on the Historical Society's YouTube channel. There's even an appearance by me talking about my work on Sievelpedia. Take a look and let me know what you see. On Tuesday, May 25th, City Council held a work session on two items related to transportation, though there was little in the materials presented to suggest a linkage between the two. The second item was on route changes for Charlottesville area transit, and we'll come back to that in the next installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. But for now, buckle up, because we've got a long segment coming your way. Would Council give staff permission to continue planning work on a proposed 300-space parking garage at the corner of East Market and 9th Street, for which 90 spaces would be reserved for Albemarle County for the use of their court system? That's codified in a December 2018 agreement between the two jurisdictions. Here's City Manager Chip Boyles. A previous council had approved for the city to pursue building a parking structure as part of that MOA um, on a site at, at 7th Street and Market. And we've been working on that, and we're here to discuss with you um, both that option as well as other options uh, that meet that perhaps may meet more current needs and demands of the city and council's vision. Staff has been working off a resolution adopted by council in December of 2019 to proceed with the plan, including the allocation of $1.28 million from a capital contingency account to cover the county's share of the surface lot the two jurisdictions purchased in 2005 to support an eventual court expansion. Alternatives in the Memorandum of Agreement include selling that lot back to Albemarle County or providing 100 spaces in the Market Street parking garage. The deadline to provide any of these alternatives is November 30, 2023. The city currently has a shortlist of three firms who would both design and build the structure. Scott Hendricks is a senior project manager for Charlottesville. And those three... Um are uh, slightly on pause right now while we get through uh, this meeting. And 
Each of the firms has submitted a request for qualifications at their own expense, and Hendricks said clarity from counsel was needed. During development of the fiscal year 2022 budget, which was adopted by counsel in April, counsel reduced the amount requested by staff from $8 million to $1 million for this process and the eventual project, delaying the balance to fiscal year 2023. That would delay the project, meaning it would not be complete in time for the November 2023 deadline. Chris Engel, the city's economic development director, presented council with a couple of alternatives to council, both of which involve selling a share back of the surface lot back to Albemarle and only using the land the city paid $2.85 million for in January of 2017 to purchase the Guadalajara and the Lucky 7. Option 1B would be to build a smaller structure on that land with between 150 and 200 spaces. Option 1C would be to just use the land for surface parking. Engel said one of the city's goals has been to continue to provide enough parking for visitors traveling downtown for either business or entertainment. For instance, he said 50 spaces under the Belmont Bridge will be lost after it is replaced. Engel said council will have to consider the future of the Market Street parking garage, which he said is 46 years old. It's about to have a structural reassessment as it does every five or seven years. It's probably in, in the city's best interest to start thinking about what a plan for replacement looks like. Uh, obviously, having another facility nearby um, would help alleviate that when and if the day comes. The city owns the Market Street structure outright, whereas the Charlottesville Parking Center, a private company, owns the Water Street parking garage. The city manages the Water Street structure, but leases the space from the CPC. The two were involved in a series of lawsuits within the last decade. Albemarle County currently participates in the validation system for the two garages. The most recently available official study of parking in Charlottesville is from 2015, when the firm Nelson Nygaard was hired to conduct a study of downtown parking. One recommendation was to create something called a Transportation Demand Management Plan. More specifically, the idea was to create a Transportation Management Association. A TMA can help to disseminate information about alternative commuting options, run events and campaigns to encourage workers to try alternate commutes, and develop tailored programs for both employers and employees that meets their need. Councillor Michael Payne asked if that had been examined while plans for the proposed garage were penciled up. As a way to, um, uh, you know, handle supposed parking demand issues throughout downtown through that strategy as opposed to purely meeting it through building new parking spaces or maximizing the amount of new parking spaces being built. The Nelson Nygaard study also suggested creating a parking department in city government. Rick Siebert was hired in 2017 to implement the Parking Action Plan, as well as a six-month pilot program for parking meters on street. He told council that transportation demand management is not a magic solution. It is generally a very long-term solution, and it requires a lot of comprehensive cooperation. If a lot of the people who work and visit downtown come from in the county or neighboring counties, then we need to work with those counties in working out uh, mass transit options, 
that are more attractive than driving your car. Uh, or we have to work out park and ride lots that somehow are more attractive than driving your car to uh, the Market Street or Water Street garages. A possible venue for that discussion would be the Regional Transit Partnership or the Charlottesville-Albemarle Metropolitan Planning Organization Policy Board. As we'll hear more tomorrow, Charlottesville Area Transit is looking to build park and ride lots. Several members of the parking advisory panel spoke. That group is divided. Joan Fenton wants more parking spaces downtown. If you look at the number of parking spots that have been lost downtown and will be continuing to be lost downtown, this is a neutral um, amount of parking spots that are going to be added. We have lost so many spots. However, Jamel Bowie took an opposing view. When thinking about the necessity of additional structured parking, we really should be focused on whether or not there's been any demonstrated need for it. And the data the city collects, the 2015 parking study, both strongly suggests that with better parking management, there's all the parking we need downtown. There's a need for an additional structure. During council's discussion, Mayor Nakaya Walker said she did not think the full garage was necessary to meet the terms of the agreement. She suggested collecting new data post-COVID to demonstrate how many people will no longer travel downtown to work. You know, what is staff considering in terms of work from home? And is there a possibility that to decrease the demand on um, parking, that um, that becomes part of our plan? Walker pointed out that the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission already has a program called Rideshare that's in place for commuters. She also added that programs are in motion to reduce the number of people who go through the criminal justice system. If the city and county makes a commitment to keep their citizens out of the courtroom when it's possible, then that should also limit some of the impact on um you know, parking, even for the need that the, the county, um, this, this deal is for. But I still think that the council, the project, and not honor our parking um, needs with the county should not be part of, um, should not be an option. City Councilor Michael Payne said he felt the city could honor the agreement without building the garage especially at a time when there are additional pressures on the capital improvement program. Payne also wanted more data to be collected. You know, we hear a lot about perceptions, but I haven't seen a lot of data to back up that there is a severe parking shortage. Payne's option would be to go with option C combined with some form of transportation demand management. Councillor Lloyd Snook spends a lot of time downtown as an attorney. Before COVID, he supported a new garage downtown to address long-term parking inventory. This spring, though, he supported delaying that $7 million in the budget to get new information on parking capacity, with buildings like Code, Apex Clean Energy, and the 323 building on 4th Street Southeast coming online in the near future. You could reasonably expect to have I don't remember what the number was, something like a thousand more more people coming to work in those buildings uh, and apparently only about 500 parking spaces were being provided. So we could see that, again, pre-COVID, uh, we were heading for a real problem with those, those places coming online. Uh, so 
I, I decided a couple of months ago, however, that I thought that the changes from COVID were likely, no, number one, were significant right now. Number two, were likely to continue for at least a year or two uh, and perhaps longer. Snook said the pause also comes at a time when the capital budget is under a crunch. He also said the 300-space parking garage may not be in the city's long-term interest. He said he thought the city should take time to develop the garage with other uses on the same site, should it choose to move forward. That particular spot, that particular lot, and that particular design don't do very much for the way that I think that we want to be developing the city. I've, I've said before, if we, if we built that structure, uh, we would probably look back 10 years later and say, what were we thinking when we built only that parking garage? Councillor Heather Hill said she understood the concerns of her colleagues, but thought a garage would be needed sooner rather than later. Um, but the loss of the parking spaces is is going to be real, especially for city employees. And we have to figure out, you know, within the organization, how are we going to accommodate our own employees? And I think that's going to have to be some creative thinking around how do we get our own employees um, into the downtown area without providing them with parking immediately adjacent to City Hall. Perhaps that creative thinking could be done in a transportation demand management plan. At the end of the work session, Boyle said he heard direction to negotiate with Albemarle County on what new options they might be interested in to meet the needs of the agreement. The second thing, if I'm hearing correctly, is that um, we should cease the movement towards the, the two to 300 spot garage and pursue the uh, option 1C with the surface parking so that that is going along the same time frame as we're discussing and presenting options to Albemarle County. Boyle said he will need a resolution to confirm that direction. That will happen at the June 7th meeting. The surface lot would require demolition of the Lucky 7 and the Guadalajara, which the city is currently the landlord for. The city purchased that lot for $2.85 million in January 2017. That would be $75,000 a space before the costs of demolishing those two buildings are factored in. In the next installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, we'll find out about upcoming changes coming up for Charlottesville area transit. And we'll hear if the phrase transportation demand management plan came up again. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, back after a couple days off so that I could help to co-moderate a Democratic Council forum with the Free Enterprise Forum. That happened on Thursday. You may or may not hear clips from that in an upcoming episode of the show. I have a backlog of things I want to try to get to this weekend, and uh, we'll see what comes up. Now, all of this is supported by you guys. You guys, the listeners, and the readers, although if they're reading this, they can't hear this. Audience support is crucial for this show to continue because it's just me producing all of this content and this is all I do. And so one way you can support it though is to subscribe through Substack. Substack is the mechanism that sends you out these emails and it is a very valuable service for me. These contributions go directly to me to help to make sure I have a roof over my head as I bring you this information each and every week, hopefully well into the future. 
and Ting is matching those Substack contributions. If you don't want to do that, and if you can't do that at this time, that's perfectly fine. This podcast and the newsletter is mostly free, although there is some premium content from time to time. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host, and I'm very grateful for all of you. Thank you for believing in this work and by supporting it, whether you're able to pay or whether you're able to just send it on to some friends, because the point is, these are tough decisions and you need information to understand what the heck is going on. Thank you very much and goodbye.